I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. What Drives You is brought to you by Ziggler, your premier source for equipping life and leadership coaches. Visit Ziggler.com and let them inspire your true coaching performance. Yeah. Welcome, Driven Community, and thanks for joining the conversation. We all want to live a driven, inspired, and peaceful life, and together we're learning to drive further and enjoy the ride. This is What Drives You, and I'm your host, Kevin Miller. In this episode, we continue our series on happierness, is what I called it, which we kicked off with Atlantic columnist and Harvard professor Arthur Brooks. Arthur's new book that he wrote with Oprah is called Build the Life You Want, The Art and Science of Getting Happier. This issue of happiness is significant to me for two reasons. One, happiness is obviously such a hot topic because we as a culture must not be finding ourselves that happy. And two, I feel we're mostly dealing with the symptoms regarding happiness and not the root issues. So to dig further into what I feel are some of the root issues I have with me, Jared Angaza. Uh, Jared is a strategist, activist, and storyteller behind many influential brands and campaigns. You probably know them and know him if you've been listening to this much because he's also my brother and my business partner and someone who I ponder these topics of drive and motive and meaning with quite a lot. Welcome, brother. Thank you for having me, brother. And we are in our father's studio, Dan Miller, who, if you listen to some of the past episodes, we've been talking about death as our father is walking through his last days. And we're doing that with him uh, together. So that gives a lot of gravity to the, any of these issues at this point, And it will be a part of the thread of today's discussion as well. So I've got some things. I want to talk to my brother about on this aspect of happiness, though. I know you listened to Arthur Brooks. You listened to the first show we did with him last year. You know, Arthur, you know, Oprah, you know, the deal here, but you listened to it. So I'll let you kick off with some thoughts if you want, because I got, <clears throat> I got one Avenue I want to dive down, but I got a few notes. All right. Well, I, I mean, the first thing I think is just the, you know, the discussion around happiness. And I think a lot of times we, everybody's got kind of the, the subconscious notion in their mind of, I want to be happy. I don't know how many people understand what makes them actually happy. Yeah. Thanks. Is that your thing? Yeah. Oh, cool. I stole it. Um, I, I think that's a big part of it is that a lot of times we don't even set to do that contemplation. Like what actually makes me happy? What are the things that are 
important. And, you know, in, in light of this particular episode where you did talk about dad's transition journey that we're in the midst of now uh-huh. with Arthur and how he started off the book, you uh-huh. know, with a discussion around that as well. Yeah. Uh, what was his name? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. And so we, uh, you know, in, in light of that, Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we collectively are in a moment right now when we're looking at it and saying, you know, looking at life and saying, you know, what, what are the things that rise to the top at a moment like this? Those are probably the things that matter the most to us. Like, what are the things that, you know, that Ted talk that we watched, um, what was her name? Jane, Jane Whitlock. Uh, she did a Ted, TEDx talk. It's on Ted. Um, and it was about uh, what I learned about life from death. Mm-hmm. She said in that, that in that span of time when her partner was, was dying, she felt like she had a big sifter in the front yard and just, she took all of their life and put it in that big sifter and sifted it out. And only the things what she say, only the matters of the heart remained the mm-hmm. things that really mattered to them. And I think, all right, now there's a foundation of stuff that I could look at to start to understand what it is that truly makes me happy. Uh-huh. It's like, what are the things that, you know, in a moment like this, what do I deem most worthy of my attention? Uh, and, and, and why? And I think that when we get down further into the root of that, we say, well, because it makes us happy, because it's life-giving, because it's good for us in some yeah. way, emotionally, mentally, physically, whatever. So just as a, you know, foundation point for the conversation, I think there's a, I feel like I have somewhat of an advantage right now in looking at what makes me happy because I'm in this space in my mind of thinking these things don't fit in this discussion. Dad's in his transition journey. Yeah. We're here as a family. We're stiff arming a lot of things around us that just don't matter that much right now because it's family that matters so much. And I think, oh, well, I know family makes me happy also. <laughs> so it, yeah. it's, it's, I think the things that matter, I hadn't thought about this this way, but the things that matter to us most, I think are also the things that sort of intrinsically make us the happiest or at least have an yeah. avenue to that. I, I do. Yes. I'm with you. And I want to meet you right there. I do want to, I feel like I do this pretty much every time the term happiness comes up. I bring this up, but I, I'm going to again, cause I think it's important how we define happiness right. too. And that is the word that is the catchphrase. That's the term that we like a, a good feeling is happy. We put that around it now happy. I mean, you think about a kid, you give them a lollipop, you give them a game, you know, they're, they're happy in the moment. It's a little pr- pleasures. that may make us happy, happy. What we all really want. And Arthur talked to this. He talked to it in the aspect of, you know, happiness is the, is, is the journey. You know, it's not necessarily some destination. I, I had written that in my notes as well. Yeah. He okay. said it's not a destination. It's a, it's a, uh, direction. Yeah. Thank said. you. It's a I direction. Often say a trajectory. I, yeah, I couldn't you know, yeah. come with it. It's a direction, not just a destination, which back to us with it's even part of the intro of drive, you know, drive is, is not the destination. We want to just enjoy the day. We yeah. want to enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride. Yeah. And so if we look at that right now, okay. I was thinking about us. So here we are in Florida right now at our parents' house. And dad is 30 feet uh, on the other side of the wall over there in a hospice bed. 
dying, a mortal death, uh, at least. And so that's happening. So does that leave room for a lot of happiness? I mean, we're playing games, we have laughter and stuff, but it doesn't feel like this is just not the, this isn't a pleasurable time in, in if I put it in pleasures, not, not, not in the general sense. No, I yeah, agree with that, yeah. but it's fulfilling, fulfilling, massively yes. fulfilling. Yeah. And if we put that in and say, let's call, even though, I mean, we titled this happiness, we're talking about Arthur's book, Arthur and uh, Oprah's book, you know, has a tagline of happiness, but even he talks about, we're talking about an overall positive feeling and effect that we have mm -hmm. on our lives. We could say hope, joy, I feel like that is what we're talking about. It doesn't mean that every moment is happy, but at the end of the day, we're, we want to feel like, man, it's, you know, things, life is good. Mm -hmm. Like go back to the t-shirt company, you know, life is good. Uh, there there's, uh, you know, we could say the lots to be grateful for type thing, uh, as well. It's not all just happiness. Cause I, I'm concerned that we get caught up in the little happiness. And if we just want happiness, it's okay. Let me have a piece of candy. Let me, uh, scroll funny social media meme or something that makes me giggle. Uh, let me have a, a drink of this, a taste of that. I, I listen to this and it's just, oh my gosh, it's impossible. I think in that, you know, I agree. And in, in, in you pointing that out, I'd start to draw a line between happiness and entertained. Like, I just want to be entertained. People say that, like, just entertain me. I'm being entertained by, you know, whatever doom scrolling on some social media thing or whatever. It's entertaining. It's not necessarily making me happy. I, I think it's per You nailed it. I, I would say I hadn't thought about it that way that we have replaced. <laughs> well, not replaced. We have. <sighs> what's the word we have create a uh, happiness now is entertainment. That is our primary yeah. effort. Uh, there's a, there's a better word. I think people go into it thinking, Oh, this is going to make me happy for a minute. I don't think that's and true probably, at all. Well, I mean, maybe but, it does though. You go into the movie theater, you forget about all your woes and your troubles. Sure. You're totally, you've escaped. Yeah. Right. You've escaped and now you're happy and you want to stay escaped. I, 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 cause I look at that as entertainment is not to diss it. You and I dig entertainment as much as anybody, yeah. but not, but it is somewhat of a, of an escape. And I want to look at it and go, it is, am, do I need to, uh, escape because life sucks? What's the, isn't that the Seth Godin quote? Uh, instead of, it was about vacation. I read it recently or maybe it's our posted. sister that talks about it all Thank the time. You. Yeah. yeah yes. Ashley Logson. That not having uh, or, or to, to have a life that you don't need to escape on vacation from. Right. But like, again, well, not to just vacations. Yeah. Hey, it's great, but you yeah. don't need it because life doesn't suck. Let's just say right. that. And what we're dealing with, I feel like is a culture where we have, I mean, we know that from the stats, the chronic illness stats, the diseases of despair, that we have more depression, anxiety, apathy, hopelessness, joylessness. We're at an all time high statistically, apparently. Mm hmm. It's tragic. Talk about a pandemic, man. That's way worse than COVID. When we have more people on antidepressants, we have more people in therapy. We have more suicide. I think suicides it's at a high. Yeah, at a high. Uh, and oh my gosh! So to come to this, and okay, I'm gonna I want to toss it back to you because because you came in with what are the things that make us happy. And I said that, yeah, that's where I was though. In reality, I was looking at what are the things that steal our happiness that keep us from being happy, which, and I'll throw it out before I toss it back to you. I'm concerned are our mental set points, our beliefs 
are, he yeah. talked about the Panis test, mm -hmm. positive and negative aptitude, something like that. Yeah. Posit I was going to take it actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I did. I did. And mine came out as a mad scientist that everything's kind of elevated. You're probably, you're, I wouldn't be surprised if yours did too, but, but it's looking at your set point. And I thought, how, how good to look at that. We're talking about happiness to like, okay, let's just get on the car, get the cars on the table. Okay. Barbara, Frank, John, you know, throw it out there. What's your, what's your set point? Positive, negative. And I go, yeah, I'm usually pretty negative about stuff. I'm sarcastic. I'm critical. It's just kind of how, yeah. not to diss you. We're not, it's not judgment because there's a place for that. We need critical thinking. I'll play with that. Sure. But if you know that that's your set point to say, gosh, you're sitting here looking at happiness. Let's look at what keeps you from being happy. Can we get those cards on the table in conjunction with what you said? And then mm -hmm. what does bring us the most happiness and fulfillment? Because even if we took you and I, we don't have to do it right now, but I mean, there's different things It'll come to mind in a minute because there's some things recently like you're going, I want to do, oh, we were eating food. Mm -hmm. Every day I'm talking about food. What do we have for dinner? Right. Yeah, food makes me happy. That's yeah. a pleasurable little bit. You could care less. I could care less. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but great to know. Yeah. No, I know. And it, and it is, it's good to just know it. There's no judgment. There's no right or wrong about it. It's just, uh, we have different well, the feelings. It's a little right or wrong, but any, I get your point. <laughs> we have different feelings about it and different ways that we're affected by it and, and, and so on. I think one of the things that's popping up as you're talking there is, is about happiness is does anything I, or let me reframe that. I feel like continual, at least continual escape impedes my happiness. It just keeps me from getting to where I could get to be happy because I'm con I'm constantly escaping. I'm entertaining to, to satiate so that I'm not having to figure out what actually makes me happy. I think a lot of people are so entertained. They have no idea what actually makes them happy. They're well entertained instead. Uh, and but I would guess it, that their happiness is diluted. Now it's also harder and harder to even, it's like a drug. You yeah. It's harder to get. Yeah. It's harder to feel happy from all the things you're doing kind of, sort of believing that that's a path to happiness. Uh -huh. um, and, and that continual escape. Well, this would probably be the time to bring it, you know, into where Arthur talked, you know, right off the bat about it. It's just, it's a choice, you know, happiness is a choice. How many thousands of times have we heard that? We know that, but do we act like that? <laughs> uh, you well, know, isn't that the statement? You probably know it. It's happiness is the way. Well, yeah, but who is Buddha or who or whatever, thought. but it's also like, you want to be happy, be happy. Who's somebody, I don't know. I can't remember uh, well, it yeah, there's probably lots of folks, but the, the Buddhist philosophy is happiness is the way it's meaning that you have to become happiness to be happy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have to become happy to be happy kind of thing. It's like you make the choice and then your surroundings start to adapt to that and uh, to your core happiness. Yeah but it's a decision to say, I'm going to show up happy today. And then I'm going to act accordingly. I talk to my kids about this constantly. And, you know, and dad talks, you know, carry your sunshine inside you. It's another kind of way of addressing that. But I think we have to, we have to make that decision to say, I'm going to choose happiness today, but none of that works very well for most folks because of what we talked about a minute ago. And that I don't think people have really defined happiness in their mind very well. You don't actually know what is happiness. What does it mean to me? Uh, it's a contemplative journey to get there. A lot of times people don't get there until something happens. It's a fan. Something hits the fan. And 
um, I don't want to go too far into this. Sorry. I'm obviously focused on the death thing lately because of where we're at with our family. But I was explaining, I was talking to mom and dad last night about if you look at, and for those of you that are on video watching us, we got my hands up here. If you look at a, kind of a veil of death here, yeah. um, I feel like, you know, we, from my perspective, there is a, another awakening that happens on the other side of that veil, uh, you know, in the, in the, the next realm. <laughs> And whenever we get close to that veil, close to death, uh-huh. it seems that people talk about an awakening. Uh-huh. Just like the big one that happens on the other side, I feel like even if we get close to it, we get a little awakening on this side. We well, talk about all the yeah, time somebody I, has cancer, somebody has a car wreck, somebody has a divorce or whatever, and they get close to this terrible thing and then they waken up, they awaken a bit. If they're going to. If they're going, yeah. To. So I was because it makes me think of post traumatic stress disorder or post traumatic growth disorder. You know, to play with that, which are you going to go? And so it seems like, yeah, the death, what we're experiencing, is either going to help us with an awakening, or it's going to create more death. It could further traumatize. Sure, I mean, yeah. we've got the stats on that. When a child dies, how often do the parents divorce, or when a spouse dies right. how soon does the other spouse whatever those at are at that point it also becomes a conscious choice just like happiness how okay. are you going to face this what's it what are you going to how are you going to allow it to affect you is it going to cause you to shut down is it going to cause you to wake up again we're, we're kind of getting into the you know the, the situation where you've got some sort of core life principles that are going to dictate how you experience anything obviously from happiness to sorrow. Well, which is a story we're in right now, core life principles that our parents, I'm going to give them both credit, yeah. came up with, which again, on that, I think I talked about this in one of the recent shows. Uh, if you want to see the story we're in, some of it, you can go to Muriel, mm-hmm. M-U-R-I-A-L dot life slash Dan dash Miller. Yes. And there's hundreds of people on there and journal entries about his updates and testimonies. There's like 500 tributes to dad yesterday. I looked on there. Yeah. And that goes, and you can also link to the caring bridge site, which is kind of the daily updates, which again is just, so we're living amongst the story, people testifying to the power, the influence he had dad had in their lives. I mean, you and I are testifying to it here and we're walking Amongst that, but we're literally sitting in his office doing the same thing he does. We're sitting in his <laughs> office doing that with him yeah. on the other side of the room, which, and I, I, I want you guys to hear you. And as we're sitting here laughing and stuff, I mean, last night, I didn't tell you this but last night at some point, we're just checking on him. It, it, you know, he's in his bed and, and he's just there, you know, mouth open, passed out. And I thought it's, it's for some, whatever reason, it's just with all the fulfillment, with all the goodness of this sucks. This is just, it's terrible. He's sitting there waiting to die. Um, I mean, this is not a, um, it's not a happy, pleasurable feeling. There's not a ton of those, but there is a deep sense of value and meaning and purpose and fulfillment at the end of the day to what you said. It feels like when that comes, gosh, it's interesting. How much entertainment have we participated in, in the past two weeks? Yeah, it's funny. I was talking to some of the boys today and they asked me about some uh, show or something. And I said, man, I haven't been able to bring myself to entertainment at all in the last couple months of being here. I haven't had like a, I haven't watched a show. I haven't watched a thing. I couldn't do it. Cause I was in this space. Our entertainment has just been human interaction back and forth just 
all of us. And here's dad on his deathbed, literally with no, because I keep wanting to do that. Do you want something to eat? Do you want a music? Do you want yesterday? Remember we asked him, do you want to watch something? He's like, no, there's no purpose. Again, please don't hear us dissing entertainment. I adore entertainment, but I I would say it's a budget. I also adore uh, ice cream. I just don't have it constantly because of all those reasons. Most of today, you will be indoors, likely your home or your office. I am as well. Even with my treks out into the woods, I spend a lot of time inside. And we're going to think about 20,000 breaths. According to the EPA, the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air, sometimes up to 100 times more polluted. At my studio, we have heat being forced through old ducts. I walk on carpet full of years of junk. No idea what's floating in the air that I'm taking constant gulps of. The solution is an air purifier and air doctor is just the best air doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold, bacteria, viruses. They do it so your lungs don't have to air doctor. comes with a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping, go to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code Kevin. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks off exclusive to podcast customers. You will also receive a free three year warranty on any unit which is an additional $84 value. So to get this special offer, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com. Use promo code Kevin, airdoctorpro.com, promo code Kevin. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital. And Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash Kevin. ice cream. I just don't have it constantly because of all those reasons. And to this, I mean, again, we're talking about happiness and you said something a second ago and now we keep, there's so many different ways to go, but I thought, you know, we still look at it as what out there will make me happy, which there are things that, yeah. Well, and and so play with that though, because it's not just that either or black or white, right or wrong, whatever, what things make me happy. I mean, today I went and I went for a a walk and it was kind of drizzling and I have joy in that. It gives me pleasure. That's actually a great point, right? I was just thinking about the discussion between happiness and joy. It's like, can I do something that brings me some joy? Am I a happy person? That's kind of two different things. Did I feel happy on my run? Not necessarily. Did I have joy in it? Was, it was there a moment of joy? A moment? Yeah. Like with, with 
dad now it's like we're finding all these beautiful moments of light and and even joy and and things that are happening yeah it's not necessarily a generally happy moment no so that can delineate a little bit okay we can play with that because i was sitting here you know i had a salad a second ago did it make me happy no it was good it's food food always makes me we talked about that you know it gives me joy i mean i appreciate that now then i did have a thin slice of that cake (laughs) that mom bought and i stood there and had probably four bites and that was some happiness. It was dopamine hits. Yeah. Dopamine, dopamine, dopamine. It's like a drug. That uh, yeah. was great. And then I stopped it. And now, you know, we're here doing this. But to look at that, the entertainment, the dopamine hit, hopefully everybody's familiar with that. That's what I think of. And I think people think of with happiness. Ooh, I need a bite of this, a taste yeah. of this, a listen to this, a view of this. Happy, happy, happy. And it's killing us. It feels like that's what it's doing. We now have access, unlimited access. Yeah which is probably important. When we were kids, we didn't. Yep. The afternoon like this, you got soap operas to watch. Which we didn't. On three channels or yeah. something or whatever. And we didn't. So you're like, I'd just go find something. Fulfill. There wasn't the- We were on our bikes. Quick dopamine hit. <laughs> yeah. It was looking for something interesting. And here we are. I, I just appreciate you bringing up entertainment and what we all want. Ultimately, I'm going to use the word, if you got a better word, we keep playing with it, like joints. So ultimately, what do I want? I want fulfillment. Yeah, I think I feel at peace, and, and, and we're we're toying around with this too. That I, I think there there may be some, to some degree, a timeline on some of these topics. In that I might feel momentary joy. When I think of happiness, I really don't think about it being momentary. I think about it, and I know that that's not necessarily common, but I I think that that is. If if I say, "Are you a happy person?" I'm not necessarily speaking to the exact moment that I'm asking you. I'm saying, like in general, are you happy? Do you feel okay? Happy well, you're taking it away from a feeling to a state of being, maybe. being a maybe state so. of mind, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Well, which Arthur talked about in regards to emotions, he said something like, "Emotions are like little flags." Yeah, I had notes on that too. I mean, it's something I talk to my kids a lot about. It's like, hey, an emotion anger or frustration or, or fear or whatever it's it's a it's an alert system that comes up you should listen to that now don't be owned by it they're good messengers not masters <laughs> those emotions the message it's it's coming to give you a message hey pay attention to this or do something different here or whatever i those listen to your emotions let them move through you rather than own you but i think that that's important in this discussion, it's, for sure. well, it's huge. I, 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 to me, it's such a massive, massive paradigm shift, mind game for us all to quit saying "I am" and then name the emotion. Uh, yeah, I, I am I, happy. I, I, when my I kids that, I say, "Hey, careful!" Yeah, say, I'm feeling anger right now. I'm You're not it. anger. <laughs> exactly. Well, but okay, but do that. I am happy. Yeah. Well, not really. I mean, you know me. Am I always happy? Do I always do I always exist in a in a feeling of happiness? No, it comes and goes. Sure. How do we take away? Well, we wouldn't say to use my word fulfillment. We wouldn't say that's a that's not an emotion. That's not in Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart and her eighty seven emotions is not fulfillment or yeah. peace. I don't think joy is even. I haven't read it yet. Okay. Well, but you get the point. It's, it's emotions. I mean, if we yeah. play, if we play with that, say I am, and we all want to say I am happy all the time. If we take that as a feeling and say, no, it's impossible, but you can, I don't want uh, ownership. 
is you said that interesting. I want to own fulfillment. I want to say that no matter what, no matter if my dad's dying, if there's a relational struggle over here, a financial struggle or a vocational or a health or a whatever, I can have those. We can have those and still say, I have joy or I have peace or I have fulfillment and own those. Yeah. And I think, I mean, just to be scientific about it, and I know you do this a lot with performance stuff and things like that, that there's a, you get look for your baseline. Like what's your baseline? Am I baseline happy? Am I baseline fulfilled? Am I baseline tortured or fearful? Pissed off. Angry or whatever. Depressed. Yeah. Bitter. And I, and then that leaves room in having a baseline for lots of other emotions to be happening along the way in a 24 hour period or whatever. It's like, I may have all kinds of emotions, but baseline, I'm a happy guy or baseline. I'm an angry guy or whatever. So I I feel like that could be the mic drop to to me for this whole thing. It just is on my mind. It's, it's where I was. What's your set point? Set point. Yeah. yeah. Baseline is great for us all. I mean, right now, guys, you could stop, pause the podcast, whatever. And consider, I mean, look at yourself, look yourself in the mirror. What is your baseline? What is your set point on positive, negative? That's that PANAS, P-A-N-A-S test profile. Um, but what is it? Not what, and then, and then get, if you want to get realer to some degree or, or another aspect of it is what would other people testify to? What would your spouse say? What would your kids say? What would your coworkers say? Your boss, your employees? That's a big one. And that's a good barometer when uh, sometimes the guys will ask me, you know, Hey, how you doing? You know? And then, and it's not just how you doing, but like the, Hey man, how are you doing yeah. the real one? And I, I, there was a couple of times that came up and I said, ask my kids, they'll give you the real barometer on where I'm at without my filters and, mm. and whatever. Um, I think that's a good way to look. So for me, a lot of times I'll look at my family unit, you know, my kids and whatever, and say like, are they, where are they rolling here in the mix? Cause they're going to be a pretty, they're young, you know, they're going to be fairly reasonable reflection of where I'm at or a mama or whatever. Like they're, they're going to reflect that. And I look at the uh, people around me and say, well, I don't know how you experience I me. Mean, do you experience me as happy <laughs> like or, or down or whatever? You'd be a better read than, than maybe I would because I have my own thoughts and agendas and whatever. So I, I do look to people around me, not to get in a negative to like, well, what do other people think about me? You know me well enough. No, I don't really care. No, but how, right. But, but how do they experience, how do they experience me that I care about a lot? Like I want to be, we've talked about this before, I'm sure, but like my personal mission, personal mission statement is that or vision or whatever is that I, I want to let my light shine so bright. It liberates the light and others. So I've already attested to the fact that I do want to be doing that. And I am attuned to that. So if I feel like I'm causing someone to come down in some way rather than to shine brightly, that does concern me. And I want to then look at myself and say, like, what am I doing to contribute to that? If I'm doing that to them, I know I'm doing it to me. Like I, yeah. there's no way I can be happy in that place. Yeah. So yeah. Back to what you said. I mean, granted that, you know, they could have, if you're shining your light on me and I'm wanting some darkness, you can piss me right, off with your right. light. And that's you not to, on you. That's you on me. Discernment in that practice. But yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've literally, I think it's, it's great too. If you think about other people, because we so often cannot see ourselves. There are a lot of times when yeah. if you ask me, Hey Kevin, so how are you feeling today? I don't know. I'm not quite sure that has to do with my own emotional unintelligence sometimes, or 
amongst a tragedy in essence, like what we're in now, I can feel a little confused. I do sometimes wish I could look back on the day and like uh, see a GoPro, you know, a video of me yeah, and go, Oh man, I didn't, or hopefully I'd be going, Oh, great. That's awesome. Or I'm afraid I'd be going, Oh man, how many times did I, you know, cuss under my breath yeah. when I bunked my toe or knocked something off or sets or whatever. Yeah. I think about that too. Like I did last night, I, I, I slipped or something coming in last night because it's slippery on the, the tile there. And I was like, you know, said a few things and I was like, where, what's Where that about? That <laughs> exactly. How was I feeling that? Yeah. That moment that seemed out of line. Yeah. <laughs> so I checked myself, but that's a good, good way to tune to in. Come, I, I love the idea of you're looking at, you know, Arthur Brooks, Arthur and uh, Oprah's book, build the life you want talking about happiness and uh, to come first off and go, man, where am, where like you said, baseline set point, where am I to get honest with ourselves? Where are we? Cause that's going to undermine any symptomatic effort or any pursuit that we do. Okay. First there, now, the second one that we keep coming to big hit is, are we looking for it externally? Are we yeah. trying to find happiness and do something that we hope will trigger the emotion of happiness, which again, I love, I love the dopamine hit. I love the funny thing that happens, the joyful thing, you win the lottery, whatever it would be that does it for you. But if you take those out, now we can go to the full end of the spectrum to Viktor Frankl in Man's Search for Meeting, where he had absolutely nothing, no pleasures for years, nothing but hardship and torture and hunger and cold. And he was able to go in there and find, I don't know that he would say at all. I don't know that he would even align with that word happy, but he would say, I found what peace. Peace. I think it's probably just meaning in line and search for meaning. Obviously found meaning. He found, yeah, he, he found I think it. part of that meaning brought him peace. That's how he got the peace that he had in that space. And again, the, the happiness. Yeah. I don't know if that would be where he was then. I could almost see him like, here, here's a lollipop. Oh, great. I'm going to take your lollipop away. Okay. It's just, oh, that's a bit, I mean, that's a, now we're getting into some of the Eastern philosophy that, you know, I study all the time and, and there's a, there's an old story about a, a, a llama, like the Dalai Lama mm -hmm. and they bring, it, it's, it's a bit of a sordid story, but some lady gets <laughs> pregnant. And, I was going to tell it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I don't even know how you even know that. DeMello. Really? Anthony DeMello. All right. Well, go. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the guy gets, uh, that's wild that we both came into that same story. Well, cause, different, cause, you, different cause you heard, you heard me depicting it in my, you take it away. Okay. Cause the dude it's hardcore. And, and what does he say? I think it's, uh, and so it is, or something like that, or okay. So, or something like that. Something so like that. something like that, but the, the, so the, <laughs> to tune everyone else. Into Sorry, what we're, talking. we're having our own conversation. <laughs> so he's in, uh, he's, he's in the town. And he, he, well, no, he's not, it's a oh. woman and the a woman gets pregnant and it, by the, you know, some guy on a boat, you know, at the Harbor here, it, one of the, those, uh, sailors, sorry, sailor and doesn't want to pin it on him. So she says it was the old monk up on the Hill or whatever. seems a bit far fetched, but whatever. Everybody said, okay, they went up to the top of the Hill. They banged on the door and said, you made this lady pregnant. Here's the baby. You take, you, you have to raise the baby. And he says, okay. No problem or something to that effect yeah. immediately. Just, okay, <laughs> no fight, no nothing takes the kid. 
nine years later, I think it's the woman is, is dying or something like that. And she says, um, I've got, uh, I, I need to confess that was not the sailor. It was, or sorry, it was not the monk. It was actually the sailor. And so they feel bad and the townspeople, they go back to the, to the monk and say, Oh, we're so sorry. You know, this is whatever, this is the other guy's baby. So we're going to take the kid now, the nine-year-old child from you to this other dude. And he says, okay. <laughs> and it's just like that, that ability to just be in that moment and accept what is and not relinquish your baseline of happiness and joy and fulfillment because of something that happens circumstantially. Now that's a pretty hardcore story. It, sound, it does. It sounds like, Oh, that's just some fantasy fable. I get the point, but that's just not real life. Because if you, you know, if you take away my job, my money and, and my mortgage is now in jeopardy or, I mean, you can take it to whatever tragedy you want. I mean, granted, I feel like we spend a lot of time with what I'm going to, I do first world problems. Like seriously, I'm concerned about, you know, X, Y, Z. Uh, my second car is broken down. Yeah. You got two cars, you know, whatever it is. We, we yeah. spend so much time wrapped up around honestly insignificant things. But then even when the significant thing happens, and man, I was thinking about it this morning, thinking about this show and that, you know, here dad is, if we were wrapped around that, he has to live. Yeah. Or gosh, I, I'm, I'm making stuff up for the sake of it guys. Cause this is not real. Or if I felt like I've got to get something from him right. or get something across to him yeah, or, or, uh, or, or we felt dependent upon him. Holy crap. That's right. going to go. And we rely on him for you know whatever. And not having that obviously gives us the space to just be here. And at this point, I mean, what, what, what would we most want for him? I would think it would be for him to breathe his last breath. Sounds terrible, but that's what he wants. At he's in there stage he, in the game. Yeah, yeah. He's just trying not to be in pain yeah. and feels like he can't do anything at, at this point. And so I'm not sitting around praying for his last breath, but I'm conscious of that's really what he wants. And I would anyways, <sighs> Uh, it, it, it helped. I do like hitting the exaggerated aspects like this because it hopefully can help us grapple with the day to day better, not to minimize. Yeah. I don't want anybody to hear this and go, gosh, yeah, I shouldn't be. If you say shouldn't, you're already on the wrong path, on the wrong path. <laughs> but say I shouldn't feel bad about X, Y, Z. Cause I mean, Jared and Kevin are sitting here talking about their dad dying. Well, somebody else is talking about something 10 times worse than that. Right. My gosh. I mean, our dad's dying. We're, you know, he's had a good life. I mean, somebody right now today is going to, there are multiple outrageous wars going on. Right oh my, now. I was going to say, and there's people that are, you know, two little kids who are going to lose both their parents today. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's, yeah, there's tragedy. So the point is what is to, to Jerry's thing, what is, and I'm going to, I want to use the words, you call it happiness, but undergirding that, you know, fulfilling, what is a meaning to us? What is a value to us for us to get real with that? And, and even to the joys, let's not leave those out. What are the joys? What does give, does give you joy? Man, I love going to bed every night and reading a fiction book. I like coffee. I like, you yeah. know, we're going to go to dinner with mom tonight and that'll be, that will be fun to me. That'll be play. I'll probably get a nice glass of wine and that's just, that, that'll be happy stuff. Yeah. The, the, there's another, uh, I think it's another Buddhist thought, but the, the, the idea that, uh, what is it? It's, it's something along the lines of, uh, those that have no preferences have the easiest path to joy and, or to happiness. 
And it's the preferences. It's like, well, I prefer to have my mud water in the morning. You prefer to have your coffee in the morning. I mm-hmm. prefer to have, you know, warm weather. Actually, and you prefer cold. <laughs> yeah, this no, is some muggy. <laughs> I, I like I like muggy and hot. Um, so I have my preferences, but something that in in studying all these other philosophies for so long, I'm constantly checking in with myself to say, can I carry my happiness with me? You know, to Tahoe with the family when there's four feet of snow and I'm a little bit miserable or to whatever. Can I carry my happiness with me there? Or can I carry my happiness with me and, and my, my core beliefs that everything belongs and that we live in a benevolent universe? Can I carry that into my dad's death? I have, but that it's important to, to ask, you know, to, to ask myself to, to contemplate that. Like, can I take that, you know, in this particular situation with that at 76, having lived an amazing life uh-huh. at very fulfilling and joy filled, joy filled for him and mom. And he's 76. My kids are my kids, 11 and two, eight year olds. And I look at that and think, you know, Am I good enough to take what I brought into dad's death into one of my children's death? I don't know if I'm there. That, that seems impossible to me. I do know many other people that I study from and whatever that could and have. And I think, I mean, ultimately we, we talk about, oh, it's, it's super far fetched, you know, to, to, to take it all the way to the example of the llama that we were just talking about that said, okay. And he gave the kid away at nine whatever. I mean, I have an adopted kid that, uh, you know, and you do actually. So we like to think of someone of just letting them go after nine years. I mean, how old is Jay Daria? 11. 11. Yeah. So, um, I, or in my Francois, it's like, if somebody had come over to say, we're taking your kid after nine years, (laughs) I would have been like over my dead body or yours. Um, and I, that, I, I now I'm looking at that and thinking, it's like, what could it, could I be that good? Could I, and by that good, I mean, like, could I be that disciplined in my own beliefs? Could I be that resilient and unyielding in my faith and in my joy or in my happiness and so on? Okay. That's hard. That's, it is very well, hard, but in, in that contemplation, right? it tunes me into where I'm at now. It tunes me into what I might aspire to be more of. It doesn't mean I have to hold myself to some standard I'm, I'm maybe not even capable of getting to, but it, it is a, it's a con- contemplation along the way. I don't know how to go there. And I mentioned this to Arthur. You should have heard it when you listen. I did. We got into attachment. I know. I touched so that, was, that was actually first on my list. I'm surprised we didn't get that. But that, that, the attachment part of it is where I think a lot of our happiness gets pushed out the window because we're attached to something for in order to feel happiness. If this happens, in order I'll be to, happy. Well, there's the big word, in order in to. In order to. So if I look at that. That doesn't mean you're bringing it with you. That yeah. means you're waiting to see if it happens when you get there. <laughs> Your happiness. That doesn't mean you're bringing it with you. That yeah. means you're waiting to see if it happens when you get there. <laughs> Your happiness, you know, in looking at the pleasures, let's call them, uh, if we pleasures the happiness, pleasures, things. enjoyment, entertainment, yeah. all that stuff's in the same. Can box. I still have joy in my day without them? I, I desperately, and I know you too, want to say yes. 
And, and, and I kind of believe that, that I'm at a place now where you can take away those. Would I prefer them? Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. And, and it bothers me sometimes. Can I sit there with my, uh, you know, journal in the morning and can I enjoy it without a hot beverage? Yes. Would <laughs> I prefer possible. a hot beverage? Yeah. Absolutely. It adds spice and richness and I love it. And I love loving those things. And so again, we're not, I, I, I want people to hear we're not discounting those joys, man. If you love watch, if you can't wait to watch the Super Bowl, just have fun with it. Knock yourself out or go to a concert or, but if the Super Bowl gets canceled, obviously it doesn't happen. Yeah. But if that got, if it got canceled, it's like, can you still be? carry your joy with you that day and go, okay. And so it is, you know? Yeah. If you've watched the series that ended on Netflix or something like that, and you were depressed for a week or you still are, we got some issues. And again, we've, I've dealt right. with it too. We, we, we all have, but that is what we're looking at. It's not to discount back to attachment, which we could do an entire podcast right. for years just on attachment, but you're going to hear it keep coming up because Jared and I keep, are pressing into this constantly, but attachments, that's the, you, who, my source is Anthony DeMello. Um, I'm reading his book, a little book right now called the way to love. It's his last, uh, his last, um, notes, tough what they call it. His last, uh, meditations of, of Anthony, but you, I mean, how many people talk about attachment in so many different forms? We can yeah. name a list of people. Yeah. Um, and they're talking about, and I don't want people, when you hear that, we're not talking about that necessarily the therapeutic, the relational therapy of attachment, like a child to a parent necessarily. There's some overlapping aspects, but in here we're talking about attachment to things. So like this, am I so attached to a hot beverage that I cannot enjoy my morning? Yeah. And and, and and think about your words that you speak. Oh my gosh, I don't even talk to me. We, we joke about it. Don't talk to me until I have my second cup of coffee. Yeah. It's funny. We get it. It's kind of tragic though. I mean, if like you I, take I it would, to, and I get that. I'd I know say, that's the thing that people say, you know me well enough. I'm very deliberate with my words. I, I, I would never say that. <laughs> I am deliberate, deliberate than I used to be. Right. More deliberate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, Matt, I think the words that we speak, that we speak our happiness or a possibility to into life. And if you have convinced yourself, you can't be happy until you've had your second cup of coffee. Then it'd probably be true. Or until, or, <laughs> yeah. or unless the weather I was in, where was I? I was at the, the club, the club where my parents, uh, the health club today and heard a couple of ladies just going on about, I mean, they were, the weather is terrible. It is despicable. Yeah, we're in Florida and that's what people do it when is it gets raining cold. Because it's overcast <laughs> and raining. And I was thinking right away of a couple of my kids who would be ecstatic. Mm -hmm. ecstatic. They love that they are frustrated that we live in such a sunny place. They love the overcast mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of the idea of a book and a corner and a coffee and a, you know, the overcast stuff. And these ladies are are claiming what it is as opposed to saying, you know what? Florida has great weather. I don't prefer today prefer the rain right. and stuff, you know, it messes my hair up and I, you know what, I don't prefer it. Totally cool. I hope their happiness is not dependent upon the weather. And a lot of people's are, I mean, we're, we're overlapping messages here, but it's, we speak this stuff into life. And when we look at it, Tom Rath wrote success 2.0. Mm -hmm. It was a best-selling book. He wrote a later book called Fully Charged, and he said it was based on his curiosity initially of how people depict what a good day is. Hey, Jay, how was your day today? And they think on it. That's pretty good. Let's see. Coffee maker worked. It was, you know, good. It was really, it was a new coffee. It was really good. And man, there wasn't much traffic on the way to work. And I got in and my boss said, 
uh, he was really stoked with something I did and I got a sweet note from my, from my spouse and that's ah, a good day. Like son of a gun happenstance. <laughs> and you can imagine the, this book he's saying, just like Arthur is ultimately. And this book was a decade or more ago. And like Arthur saying, he said, there are ingredients that make this stuff up. You can cultivate those ingredients every day, no matter what. And it's not made up of these external things necessarily. It's deeper stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not just platitude, gratitude, Pollyanna kind of stuff of, of trying to figure out what was good. Okay. The traffic was terrible at work today, but at least I wasn't in a wreck. Okay. I wasn't a wreck, but at least I didn't die. I mean, we can go to these variations. They're all external things that we can't control for the most part. Yeah. What can we control? It's, and it's weighty because we're so addicted to the pleasures. As you're speaking, I'm just sitting here thinking that I feel like I'm hesitant to say it, but I, I feel like I could confidently say happiness, at least in my perspective, feels free of attachment because anytime I'm attached to something, I'm threatening my core happiness. Yeah. Uh, if I'm not attached to it and I can be free of that attachment, I can be free to carry my happiness with me no matter what. Uh It's not dependent on it, whether or not I got my coffee or or the thing went right, or I got the job or didn't get the job, whatever it is. It's like, there's a, it's not dependent on anything. It's just, I'm choosing a baseline of happiness that is resilient against anything that may stand against it. I I feel like the words you said though, it's our preferences. So would you prefer your hot beverage? Would you prefer the weather? Like, of course, but to what you said, and you've said it in multiple shows, does it own me? Yeah. Does it control me? Can I look at it, put it out on the table? So of course, okay, let's, uh, because you said something a minute ago. Uh, on preferences. And I thought we used to joke. I used to joke about it. Ah, the secret to success, just lower your expectations. Yeah. I mean, people say that. What's depressing is I'll get out. Terrible idea. (laughs) I mean, if I don't have expectations, it's a pessimistic concept. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but yes, I, my experience is though, that people in this kind of a discussion can get confused with that and think that enlightenment is being a monk up on top of a mountain with your legs crossed and all you need is a clover leaf a day and you just kind of exist. Are, are you happy? Oh, we, we've gotten away with that. We don't need happiness. We don't need any pleasures. We're just there. I don't want to do that personally. Nor is that what a monk actually does, but it is a common misperception. A common yeah. misperception and yeah. lowering your expectations to where I don't need pleasures. I don't, I don't do pleasures. And and I, I read some of the folks that you and I read and I think, I think I have a little more pleasure seeking than some of these folks, but can I put it out on the table to where it doesn't own me? And yeah, man, I get a lot of joy out of food. I really enjoy food. I enjoy making it. I enjoy enjoying it. Um, Can I be okay? Did I have any joy when I fasted for five days? The one time I actually did that. It was fine. I mean, life is still life and it was good. I missed it. I, mean, I, I feel like the opposite. I'd prefer to fast. <laughs> if I have to eat, I will. Right, right. Well, again, can we get it out on there and say, those, those things give me joy? I mean, to me, it's like spice of life. Man, mm. I want those spices. I want to go to the beach and see the sunrise. I want to run. Yeah. I want I want taste. I want to play games and read a good book and a good story and do this. I mean, this right now is is this is fun. For me, this is, yeah. this is pretty much, I mean, this fits in the happy bucket. 
uh, for me about talking about something that matters and somebody else, it does not. The thought of doing this would be terrible. It'd be like my kids. We were talking about our niece, uh, Jules, Juliet about performing. And I mentioned that, that I've got kids who perform. They yeah, I, I actually terrified volunteer <laughs> yeah. to take their time and go up on stage and perform. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I would much, ju- I'd just rather not, not, I would <laughs> yeah. rather, there's so many things I would rather, I'd rather clean toilets legit. I would rather, you know, clean some toilets and personal preference. So let's put that out on the table. And yet, can we, I think to your standpoint, can we take all those preferences and say, yeah, but without them, where am I? If I can't have my phone, I can't have my social media. If I can't have whatever that thing that you're constantly grasping for, for the dopamine hit. Yeah. Some of the attachment, some of this is reminded me of that book that you turned me on to, um, the comfort crisis. Yeah. Um, Eric, uh, no. Um, anyway, you think on that. Yeah. He, uh, the, the comfort crisis was, um, just addressing the fact that we've made life so comfortable that we sort of, uh, are, are in many ways failing to pull the out of us, what could come out of us. We're, we're like, we're, we're, uh, we're not get we, we've made life so much about our comfort and safety that we've failed to, to be able to even have the, the, the great joy or the great fulfillment or whatever that we could have, because we're just too busy making everything all comfortable around us. Easy, convenient. And I think the one, and I, again, I'm going to call Brene Brown out where I, it came to fruition for me though. I know other people talk about it. Resilience. We are less resilient. Resilience is one that comes up so much. Yeah. And the one that always gets me the analogy is that question that you can ask people. It's very, Telling, I want to say telling, but not, not to be judgmental with it. But if you, at the end of this year, you knew you were going to have a million bucks in the bank, would you rather win it in the lottery or have it from doing something? Hmm. Uh, most people that have over most, if not all, I mean, I haven't done some nationwide survey, but people who have overcome, they've achieved, they've done something. They all say, Oh my gosh, I'd rather have earned it. Yeah. People who have not experienced a whole lot. And I, I would say even some of my, I think I did this with some of my kids and some of them are like, screw it lottery. Yeah. I, I, I get that. I understand that yeah. they haven't, you know, they haven't uh, really experienced a, a whole lot, but to your thing that came up with Arthur, if not in this show with the last one, to some degree, can you be, is your level of quote happiness, joyful moment, somewhat equivalent to the level of hardship you've encountered. That's, I mean, that's a, one that's come up uh, quite a few times. And man, I can't remember who it was. It may have even been Richard Rohr or something, but saying that our capacity for joy is often equal to our capacity for sorrow. Because we, like, if we can feel deep sorrow, we can probably feel a greater, deeper joy on the other end of that pendulum. It's like your pendulum swing is able to get wider and wider, more sorrow, more, more joy, more capacity. That's a better way of saying it's a capacity capacity. as opposed to saying it's the same muscle that grows your capacity for, for pain and for joy. It's like that same space that we're growing. Right. I think a lot of people that have never had great pain have also not had the great joy that others that have had great pain have had. Even like someone like think about like Viktor Frankl coming out of what he came out of Auschwitz and, and, and then saying, like when he has 
this great joy. My my guess is that he he has a, a greater capacity to feel more happiness and joy and fulfillment than most people because he he had <laughs> on the worst his day, capacity of, of of the worst after his freedom on the worst day it was a thousand, thousand times, times better than, where he came than from. the best day in the concentration yeah. camp. Yeah. And I guess, granted, not all of us have that. And people are hearing this. I mean, I have, I feel like by far and large, I, I've had a pretty privileged life. I have right. not had dramatic tragedies. I mean, this is not going to go down. My dad died at 76. I'm not going to list that in tragic. I mean, it's tragic that, you know, he expected a lot it's more. Sorrow for, sorrowful for us to lose him, yeah. not, to not have him moving forward. And there were it's six not, weeks out and we thought that he was going to live for 20 more years. And yeah, that's disappointing. And um, yeah. And yet anyways, but the point being, so have I had, you know, tragedy, I don't want to say it's, I shouldn't say it's equal to, but to a capacity, I want to grow my capacity to feel the negative emotions. And maybe it's just growing our capacity to feel maybe that both maybe, them. maybe true. And that, that requires some vulnerability that not everybody's up for, yeah. but I think it's important. I mean, you've seen me at, at, over the years, just go face forward, you know, in, into some of that vulnerable stuff to feel more deeply. One of the things that I come back to so much, I probably ought to write a book about it at this point, but, um, in moments, and, and I adjusted this the other day when I was talking to my daughter, Sersha, that um, I, was, I was saying in tragic moments, but I adjusted it a bit just to say in moments that really pull on your heart, um, they, I, I feel like the opportunity there that I want to steward well is to allow it to move me, mm -hmm. to work on me, this thing with dad, the you know, other things that I've been through that have been hard. Let's just say, I, I, I want to allow that to move me. I, I think I first wrote that when I was writing about the riots in Ferguson and stuff at the time and all the racial tension and people were saying, what can I do? What can I do to help or release this tension or, or reduce it or whatever? I said, well, the first thing that you can do is allow it to actually move you and not to just have it as a moment today. And then tomorrow you're back to the grind again. Uh -huh. And it's just fleeting but allow it to actually change you and move you and work in you. That takes commitment and discipline and vulnerability and a lot of other things like that. But I feel like on the other side of that, we get to feel more deeply uh -huh. and understand how to dance with those feelings and let them feel greatly inside of us and then let them move through us. Again, great messengers, not masters. I'd probably say that about a lot of things. But. Well, I appreciate that because I don't want to pin your level or ability or capacity for happiness and joy as equal to you got to go through horrific tragedy Correct. necessarily. So I think it does help. I you mean, can it, build it that muscle in multiple ways. Okay. One of them is going through tragic, tragic stuff okay. <laughs> a lot and building that muscle. Other ways is just to deliberately go in and build that muscle and that capacity for joy and, and okay. happiness. I that think. makes sense. And I'm thinking about emotional intelligence, Yeah, which is, I mean, I speak about it a lot. It's not been, not been one of the greatest strengths of my life, which is why I, my therapist actually is who told me to get Brene Brown's Alice of the Heart. So there's 87 emotions. Kevin, why don't you go learn a few? It's a great Bible for figuring out your emotions. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, and, and so I'm trying to do that to understand, to feel, to be moved, to, uh, to understand that so I can 
experience the highs as well. Experience those more so. Hold on to them. The more anchor them. you're going to be vulnerable and tune into the low vibe yeah. stuff that's hard. I do think that it also can open you up. Not everyone seizes the moment, but it can open you up to more, again, a greater capacity for happiness. Yeah. Maybe part of what we're talking about is just the the, the commitment to allowing ourselves to feel more, to allowing it to move us, to allowing ourselves to be moved, whatever it, it may be. Which is a great point in regards to auditing yourself, which I, I feel like this is a call out to, thank you, uh, to audit back to where I talked about your baseline, your, uh, yeah, where is your set point on happiness and understanding yeah where your emotions are and when you look at happiness if we talk about the dopamine hits and the the need for entertainment and the grasping for the next dopamine hit what is that a result of because i think it's all it's often i feel something i feel something bad i feel something negative mm -hmm. i feel a negative emotion i don't feel comfortable and so it's this and i'm saying this as somebody who's who's done it i have done that i, I literally might talk about my therapist i also said kevin next time that feeling comes on sit in it yeah they said don't go run don't escape don't go don't get another entertain. beverage don't turn the music on all the things that i do yeah and i and it's not that i never do those sometimes i realize yeah, i guess i got a negative feeling and okay experience it and i don't want to sit in it all day right um, well that's probably wise <laughs> yeah and so i'm going to use some things there but don't jump so fast and uh and so yeah for me it's been a, a emotional intelligence and it is helping my happierness yeah I, 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 that makes sense yeah yeah well i think we're there thanks thanks to <laughs> yeah it, it is it's such a man I, I i'm i love these candid conversations thank you to arthur brooks and oprah winfrey again their book is build the life you want the art and science of getting happier uh, you can also check out arthur has an online workshop the art and science of happiness you can find that at scienceofhappier.com uh, next episode will be me kind of wrapping up some of these key points i'm going to be pondering it myself and I, I love some of these aspects of our preferences and our baselines and whatnot i think those are the are some of the keys to get to the root of happiness not just focus on the symptoms. So folks, you appreciate the show. Hit us up on Spotify and leave a rating on Apple podcast. You can leave a rating and review. And thanks so much to a lot of you guys have been leaving uh, new reviews there that helps people find us and know what to expect. You can find us on YouTube and social media at kevinmiller.co. We got more and more people every day, not only watching us on YouTube, but commenting. And when you comment on YouTube, I can comment back. I can't do that on the other platform. So it's a really cool one uh, to do it there. And if you want to learn how to master your own inner drive, I got a book. It's called What Drives You. Same as the show here. And until next time, stay driven. Yeah.